Love Life, featuring your hosts, Rebecca Detman and Jane Donovan. The sun shines bright as it moves across my face. I feel the light. I am open to the guidance and wisdom from my dreams. Welcome to Love Life. I'm Rebecca Detman. And I'm Jane Donovan. And today we thought we would talk about dreams. We did have um, a lovely listener who wrote in to ask ages ago, could we do something on this topic? This is a topic which for most of my life has eluded me. Like it's, you know, when you're spiritual, you've kind of got an opinion on everything, Jane. Like I've got my opinion on ghosts. I've got my opinion on aliens. I've got my opinion on psychic channeling. I've got my opinion on crystals. And you can hear all of those opinions at any time that you like on this show. (laughs) However, when it comes to dreams, they've always been a topic that has really eluded me because I haven't been able to formulate my own opinion on what the hell they really are. Um, And I've actually got about three different, I think, Theories. Yeah, the problem is that I think they are truly a number of different things at once, and maybe we can explore some of those today. Jane, I know you've got lots to share being quite a, a lucid, vivid dreamer yourself and having recurring dreams and stuff in your own experience. So yeah. let's just delve into this topic today and see what we turn up and can mine from this really interesting, rich subject matter. It's an interesting topic because, well, it's such a massive field of to, to say I dream, you know, what do you dream? And there's so many different ways that you can dream. I think that, and you know, is it a dream or are you astral traveling? Are you actually somewhere else, but you're actually seeing it in pictures and thinking it's a dream, but you're actually there? And, and everyone it's, dreams, but some people reckon they can't remember their dreams. But you know, an animals dream and you know that thing, like one of the forms of torture is to keep soldiers awake, like, or to keep people awake, which is almost impossible for the body to do. It's the same as Sleep water. deprivation. Sleep deprivation is torture. And then in the army, you hear these stories of soldiers marching for days and days and they're, they're asleep with wide open eyes as they're marching because the body, for whatever mysterious reason science hasn't caught up with yet, needs sleep slash REM dream state so badly that we actually cannot live without, we cannot live without it. Well, like you, I have theories, but I I can't say that I know, whereas with a lot of other things, I can say I know. With certainty. So we're just going to go with this and share some of our theories and have a bit of fun around the topic. And then you guys can write on the Facebook page what your theories are and tell us if you agree or disagree. Yeah. Open it up. Yeah. And because both Beck and I, the jury's out on what it is, we'd love to learn from um, other people's opinions and and thoughts and knowledge. Um, So dreams on its most basic level, I believe, are messages that are coming to us for us the same way as our bodies give us messages, our emotions give us messages. It's just another way of receiving messages to help us in our journey of incarnating in this lifetime. Um, So the, the most basic thing is when people have a dream and they'll say, what does it mean? Now, one of the things that I will do then is ask, well, how did you feel? And let's look at the emotion that you were feeling in that dream and where is it in your life that you're currently feeling that. So it's like regardless it, of what's going on, if there's a pink roller skating elephant and a coconut tree, like don't worry about that. What were you feeling? Were you yes, feeling joy or yes. fear or whatever it was? Yes. And then you can look for some symbolism in, you know, the pink roller skating elephant <laughs> or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and, and you can interpret like that. You can Google. There's a lot of websites out there that have very basic um, interpretations of, of symbolism within dreams. But the first thing I do is look for the emotion, and then I look for the symbols, and then I look and see how can I join that into my life. But often what I will do, I, I've spoken of this on other podcasts where I set my intent before I go to sleep. I don't waste my sleep time ever. 
It's a very active period for me. So I will go to sleep setting an intent for whatever it is I need. So I'd had a bad night's sleep a couple of nights ago because I was anxious about something. So last night I knew I just needed a peaceful sleep, but I also needed a healing sleep. So I called in my team and I asked for exactly that overnight. So I don't remember waking. I don't remember any dreams. I had a peaceful sleep and I'm assuming my body was healing at the same time. I love this, Jane, because, you know, and it's almost like a shaman thing and and some spiritual groups do this where they say, if you're looking for an answer in your life, put it out there before you go to sleep and say, show me. Well, that's what I do. Show me. Okay. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. So that's in my dreams. Yes. So then the next thing is I've got a problem that I can't find the solution. So I go to bed saying, here's my situation. When I awake, can you please help me to have uh, a suggested solution? Love it. I would do that probably 75% of my sleep time. How cool are you? Who taught you to do that? (laughs) Is that something that you innately just knew? I can't believe you didn't know I did this. I'm sure I've shared this before. You might have, but I just think this is so interesting because is that something you read in a book once and went, that's such a cool idea? Or have you always known how to do this innately? Um, I don't know the answer to that. I can't remember being taught it. I suspect I read it somewhere. Because I reckon and when I'm going to try that, there's real shamanism. Sh- Actually, no, shamanism. I know what's happened. What? I know what happened. What? Okay, no, I've always known to do it, so I did it. But then I read about it, and it validated, and I then believed in it more. So I became more sort of conscious and, and consistent in doing it, mm. and, be, and then I had belief. Because I think it's a, but, it, but it's like you know that the gather the feathers. It's like gathering evidence. Yes, you put it to the test. And I think this is really similar territory to. The, the shaman groups who use hallucinogenic drugs to access, like to voyage through different dream states or mental, spiritual states. And I think you can use dreams in the same way that they use magic mushrooms or peyote or whatever to, um, yeah, if, if you if you have respect for almost like the dream keepers, the, the bodies or the beings that can take you into those realms, you put your request to them like you're talking about before you even go in there and set your intention, you can actually go into some fascinating universes. I mm. oh, I've gone in and uh, when I've had conflict with certain people, I've gone in at night time and said, I'm calling in all these people. Can you sort this out? Right. Sort it out for everyone's highest good. Have you? Overnight. Oh, Yeah. I've done that. I've gone into the Akashic Records and said, can you sort that out and have a look at what's meant to be going on there? Yeah, yeah. Every night I do something different. I love it when I learn new things about you, Jane. Oh, I love it when I learn new things <laughs> about you too, Becky. You never stop to surprise me. Because I can remember as well, you know, like my grandfather, when my grandmother had passed away, you know, my grandfather being the most unspiritual, scientific, sceptic, atheist alive. But so how does someone like that deal when somebody crosses over? You know, they don't believe in heaven, they don't believe in ghosts, they don't believe in energies, they don't believe in anything. So how do they deal with the grief? Well, she visited him in a dream and gave him a really loving hug. Right. Now, he can accept a dream because it's just a dream. But we all know that probably there was a real visitation and a lot yeah. of people have those kind of stories. I had that with an um, ex-boyfriend of mine. He was he was the first boy that – I went out with him for five years. I was going to marry him and – but somehow we both knew we weren't right for each other, but we actually did really love each other. Well, at 21, we thought we weren't right for each other, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I broke up with him and I broke his heart. That actually set up another process where I, at that moment, chose I would never hurt another human being the way I hurt him, which then set up a lot of bad behaviours. Behaviors. I've had to undo that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
However, uh, I then read about 15 years ago that he had passed away. And so he would have been quite young. And I was really traumatised because I always felt I was going to bump into him again. And that it would just be this really beautiful memory of really good time together. And and, um, so I felt ripped off like that never happened. Yeah. Well, then he came to my dream and we waltzed and we kissed. Not passionately, just a, a beautiful, loving... Soulmate, so, yeah, soul yeah. Like it's not. It's not like I feel like I'm cheating on my husband or anything. That it was a really beautiful, incredibly realistic dream, mm. and I knew when he left that dance, I knew I would never see him again. Mm. That was it. That was just he just popped in. It was just that farewell, yeah. which in is what I was hoping for in real life. Yeah, and you got it. You anyway. know, yeah. I've just brought tears to my eyes. And what's this, and this yeah. is the whole thing about why should that state be any less real? It wasn't. Then, in fact, it's probably more real, and it was probably better than if it, you'd seen much better because yeah, like, I didn't have this shit going on in this life in a local mall or something where it's all a bit embarrassing and a bit and know. awkward. Yeah, no, it was just so <clears throat> yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, so I think that dreams, dream, t- sleep time is the most incredibly valuable time for you to let the universe do its magic yeah and you're surrendering and your vibration is actually at its highest when you're asleep yeah because all of your conscious thoughts that self-sabotage and and lower your thought process lower your vibration are not present Mm. and it's one of the reasons that you know ghosts spirits souls whatever will visit things go bang in the night because between the hours of two and four in most cultures is when it's at its quietest. So there's less interference of energetic thought process from everybody around you, which makes it the easiest time for those in the other dimension to lower their vibration. And we have raised our vibration, so the meeting point is easier. So it requires less energy from the other side to be able to connect to our dimension. The veil is the The veil's at it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Well said. The veil's at the And so it's a, you know, it's a magic time to connect with with. With lost ones, they're never lost. With people who have crossed over to the other side. And the whole astral travel thing, yeah. And, you know, how it corresponds with it's the time that people in hospitals always seem to die about 5 o'clock in the morning and um, ghosts appear the most, you know, in haunted places at that kind of time. It's interesting, isn't it? The witching hour. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, And I get excited. Like, if I do wake up in the middle of the night, it usually is 3.33. Really? Which is, most people, if they're going to wake in the middle of the night, it will be between 2 and 4. They get really excited if it's 3.33. Screenshot your phone. Send us the photo. Yay. It's even cooler than the 11.11 club. Yeah. I would need to do an episode on 11.11 too. Well, we should, we should do one on angel numbers and, and that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good idea, Beck. All right, next week, Jane. Okay. Okay, guys, that's so, what next week is. Then you get your reoccurring dreams. Should we get into that or do you want to? Yes. Recurring and repetitive dreams. I just was going to say one thing as well about um, the importance of the unconscious because, you know, Jane and I talk a lot about all the different therapies, you know, that are out there that you guys can use to unlock your emotional blocks, fears and traumas. And as we've said many, many times on the show, the problem is I think there's only so much you can really do consciously because so much of what we're encoded with, with beliefs or holding on to certain energies, emotions, vibrations. It's really all in the limbic brain. So it's in the subconscious and the unconscious mind. So we talk about the types of techniques that we recommend for you guys to use to get in there and clear that out. It's your muscle testing, kinesiology, it's your hypnosis, um, and, you know, maybe tapping and other things like that. But dreams and 
going to specialized psychologists who actually specialize in dream work, dream coaches and dream doctors can also help you to really, through dream, dream journaling and stuff like that, to really access, bring bring more of the unconscious messages up to the conscious mind in just the same way as a good muscle testing session will, I believe. Um and so on that note, it's really important that, you know, when kids say, mummy, 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 a monster was chasing me last night. And, and the first reaction of a parent is to say, it was just a dream. But we do such a disservice to our children and our society. You know, when we shut them down and we say, it, it wasn't real. It was only a dream. Well, it is real. We're stopping the magic. It's valid and it's information. And it's another way to access our own deeper selves, which we really actually should encourage. And maybe we do encourage our children to keep dream journals as well as us as adults. Um, and I've got this fantastic quote here from Carter Stout. And he's a psychotherapist, but he's a dream analyst in the States. Who, and he specializes in addiction, interestingly. But he says, you know, no wonder most people disregard their dreams we've been conditioned to believe that they're insignificant and unimportant we discard them like the unread sections of the morning paper we live in a culture that is focused on what is real oh lovely quote unquote real love it right love it mm. love um, it what is real yeah while we're on what is real i remember seeing a, a wonderful oh, i don't know who it was but a wonderful guru was talking science. I think it was from one of the big universities in America who's got a massive department on consciousness. Mm. can't remember which one it was, but I heard a rumour that that's the biggest funded department in the whole entire university system in the States. More money is going into consciousness than anything else. Yeah. And I'm going, yay, yay, this is exciting. But he stood in front of the Empire State Building and he said, we now know a lot about what does exist that can't be seen. Therefore, that lots of people believe is not real because if you can't see it, it's not real. Yeah. Yet we know that, um, you know, microwaves work and radio waves work and all of that. We know that all exists, but we can't see it. He said what they do know, if the whole Empire State Building is everything that exists, how much of it do you think we can see? And, you know, people would say, oh, half of it, maybe half you can see and half you can't. One grain of sand at the base of the Empire State Building. Do you, I get your head around that. But are you saying that, are you talking about all the invisible atoms and quarks? Everything. And everything. All the bits on the inside of it and the infrastructure that we don't see that holds it together. Is that what he's referring to? He's referring to everything. So we're only seeing that the thin outer skin, like the shell, yeah. and everything else, yeah. Yeah. Well, it, there's another analogy a little bit like that where I heard a pilot once say something like, there's no one person alive who knows how every single bit of an aeroplane functions. You've got one person who knows one bit and another person who knows another bit. Oh, wow. But there's no one person who knows all of it. Right. And, and that's trust for you, isn't it, really? Like, you've yeah. got to trust all those other people that they will put it together for you to fly. Like, you know? Yeah. You know, we talk about planes a lot, don't we? We use that as, I think we talked about in a podcast on the body... Um, uh, reading body language one where we talked about, you know, it's unnatural to be in a plane. We've said that a few times. And I'm going to come back to planes again. Good segue, Jane. It is a good segue. <laughs> I'm going to talk about reoccurring dreams. We're professionals Boom, boom. <laughs> so I have had a reoccurring dream that's gone for about, how old am I? 52. So it's gone for about, since I was 18. Someone else do the maths, please. 34 years. And I have had the same dream in 34 years. I've probably had it around 15 times. So on average, about every two years. Mm. And it's been a plane crash. Now, the first time I had it, I was hysterical because I was actually picking my parents up from the airport 
I was quite young. I think I was probably eight. I think it was about 18, yeah. And I was picking my parents up from the airport the next day. But that plane crashed. Um, in the dream. In the dream. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yes, in the dream. Um, and then I'd had others, and they've been. there's only been two. Another one that my brother was on. But then since then, I've witnessed them. It's where I watch them. So for many years, I was convinced that I knew I was actually going to see a plane crash. And if you wanted somebody to direct one, I could actually be the world, Hollywood's best movie director of, of a plane crash because I'd seen so many in my dreams. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it started to freak me out. I never had a fear of flying because I was never in the plane. I was watching it. But then I had this beautiful office with my uh, production company and dance studio that had massive floor-to-ceiling windows in this big corner right in the flight path. And I had to set my desk up. And I'm buggered if I wouldn't spend all day <laughs> making sure that every single plane landed. I, I would wait for a puff oh, of smoke. God, Jane. I know. It got quite quite. How did you ha- How did you handle 9-11? No, by then I big freak out with that. Actually, with me, I did have a lot of a lot, well. Everybody did. Everybody had a big reaction there. Um, no, by then I'd worked out what was going on. So, for me, I can't remember. I think I googled or bought a book or something. But I found out that whoever's interpretation was that plane crashes are, and they were always at either takeoff or landing. Um are symbolic of massive change. And I then correlated it to my life, Mm. and it was when I was going through big changes. Right. So it was, am I going to take off and be okay? Am I going to land okay? And so if it was in the takeoff stages, early stages, the dream would be about the takeoff crash. Um, If it was crashed and burned, it's like, yep, you gave it a shot, but you crashed and burned. Fascinating. And... So now when I have these dreams, I get really excited because I go, yeah, woohoo, I'm going through it. And guess what? I know I'm going to be fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that, that is, okay, so this takes us into a different area with dreams now because as much as we can talk spiritual and astral and all of that sort of stuff, there is a real um, psychological field or Jungian field of which comes into symbols and archetypes where people have devoted millions of hours to totally looking for the ancient universal symbols which every human being has, oh. right, which show up in dreams. So whether we're talking about an Aboriginal person who, by the way, the dream time is the name of their whole religious like paradigm. I heard the dream time. Well, you and you heard them singing. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, I heard them doing the corroboree sticks, the, yeah. the, the, the sticks when I was up in Uluru. Meaning it, accessing a certain vibrational yeah. energy space. But it was, it was bizarre. But interesting how the Aboriginals call their, I don't even know what to call it, but if, if you're in Australia, you'll be obviously familiar with the word the dream time, which is part of the Aboriginals' whole belief system. Yes. And the, the idea that they viewed time and space and the world as cyclical, so not linear like we do like first there was cavemen and then there was you know dark ages and then there was the renaissance and then there was world war ii like you know in this big long line of history but the aboriginals viewed it as rhythms and cycles okay so so it's and it's getting into a much more dreamier way of using the brain so when you combine a lot of the work that people like carl jung did because he he analyzed several thousand dreams in his lifetime and he believed that dreams were real and so he he put down a lot of work for, for us and and he basically said dreams whether it's an Aboriginal person or it's an Eskimo or it's somebody in France or it's you know it's somebody in England, they're speaking to us in a forgotten language of metaphors and symbols and images and archetypes in particular. And there's some amazing books out there that you can get that really go into this in incredible, incredible detail. So, for example, one of the theories that a dream analysis 
will ha- will have um, is the soul is represented as masculine in a woman, and the shadow is represented as feminine, and it's the opposite for men. So I'll, I'll break that yes, down. Yes, I have heard that. Yes. So if you're a woman and you're having a dream, and a man comes to kill you, it's it's something in it's a way in which your soul is self sabotaging, or you're letting yourself down. Um, and if there's a nasty old cackling witch or something, that's your shadow side. There's a, a woman, rep- anything to do with females represents you. So what they're saying is no matter what characters or monsters or things pop up in your dreams, they're all aspects of yourself. So you view all of the characters in the dream as different parts of you playing out to show you what's hidden or what's not functioning properly or what needs addressing or looking at. So there's also this idea, like a really, really common dream for a lot of people is being chased, chased in a dream. Um, or, you know, dreams where you, there's perpetrators and that kind of thing. Um, and Clarissa Pinkola Estes goes into this in a lot of detail in her Women Who Run With The Wolves book. Um, and it's this idea, see, of where Jung gets into the, the anima and the animus, which is like the female and the male archetype. So for a woman, her animus, it's like her masculine side. It's He's kind of a combination of every single man she's ever met in her whole life. It's her father, her brothers, the boys from kindy, her first boyfriend, the guy she sat next to at school, the men she works with at work, any guy who's ever, for better or worse, let her down or been good to her, they all kind of amalgamate into this one figure in her subconscious. So you can do exercises where you go and meet your inner Adam or your male animus, right? Ah, um, cool. and, and for men, it's their inner Eve or their, their anima. Um, and so, of course, if you do an exercise where you meet your animus and he's standing with his back to you or he looks aggressive or he's shut down and can't talk or won't hold you or anything, you can sort of begin to see where you've got flaws with embracing and allowing in your own inner masculine and hence your relationships in real life where your blocks are with men. Okay. So in dreams, the chasing dream, which is really common, like Clarissa Pinkola Estes says, like, there's no woman under 25 who, or I don't know why she said the age of 25, but she said, she was basically saying there's no woman who's never, who can say that they've never had a dream where they've been chased. Every woman's experienced that at some point, And it's like the male animus trying to kill you. And it's that male part of yourself that you're trying to come to terms with, or where you've got bitterness or resentments or unresolved stuff or whatever. It's all, you know, it's just absolutely fascinating how, the depth at which some of these people can have go gone into. To. Yeah. Wow. I know. But then you can also do it really mm. simply. Like I remember I had a dream, uh, I reckon it was about a year or so ago, where my, um, well, I had two, actually it happened with both of my children, both where I'd had a dream where my child was killed mm. and I watched it happen. And both times I went to Beck and both times I was quite hysterical and both times Beck said, they're hitting puberty. <laughs> they're leaving you that's all it is and you were spot on absolutely spot on see I forget all these things but that's a good analogy James. <laughs> but it's true it, it is true so you know so the, the dream can be in such a fear thing but why is that I was fearful of my children you know growing up and leaving and I was mourning the loss of you know the changing of the relationship now mm. I'm quite comfortable and I'm loving being a mum of the teenage girls but at the time that was transitioning, and sadness. there was fear there and deep sadness. It's grief for yeah. losing the, my baby. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's right. So this is where dream journaling is um, It's so important, particularly for people who say, well, I can't remember my dream. You know what? You probably can if the moment you open your eyes, you've got a pen next to you, and you just jot down whatever comes to mind. And like anything with practice, the more you do it, the, the quicker you'll be able to recall, mm-hmm. and you can really, really start to get it down. And 
it's dream journals are fascinating things to read back through um like weeks later at like four o'clock on a tuesday when you're in a really removed state because you kind of go oh my god like look at this gobbledygook like it's just <laughs> amazing what comes out in your dreams and if you've got a really excellent dream dictionary or dream reference you can go through and make draw some real analogies you know that some of the dreams can you are, recommend one um, because I actually found it hard to see the wood for the trees when I was looking for one yeah, quite a few years ago. The best stuff I find is always what I pull up on Google. I know that the, the guy that runs Hay House here in Australia, Leon Naxon, has written a number of dream books and yeah, dream, he's very well dream dictionaries. Yeah, However, yeah. I never found his stuff deep enough for me. I, I prefer the really in-depth stuff of some of the websites you can find. I will say at this juncture, though, there is an amazing woman here in Australia called Amy Campion. She's a dream coach. And she, if you go to to thedreamwell.com and look at her stuff because one of my girlfriends actually took her very intensive like six-week or eight-week dream course and it was amazing because she explores, I've got a list of it here, everything from shamanic dreaming and lucid dreaming, the future of dreaming, dream seeding, whatever that is, ancients and oracles, European folk magic, pagan dreaming. Like she goes into everything you can imagine wow. when it comes to dreaming. That sounds fascinating, it, doesn't again, it? Again, it's more tools for unlocking your subconscious mind and learning more about yourself, your shadow side, your your suppressed wants and needs, your emotions. It's fabulous and fun and easy. Easy, All you have exactly. to do is sleep and then write it down. And I was going to say, don't be afraid of your dreams. You know, when you have nightmares, I mean... Like I was, I just gave the example. They're just a way of demonstrating what your fear is. Yeah. Having said that, <clears throat> doo-doo, what about the dreams of the future? So what about when I have a dream that I'm at my girlfriend's father's funeral and I just thought, okay, yep, I can interpret that. That might just mean that, that I'm feeling disconnected from her father. I haven't seen him for a long time, blah, blah, blah. No, two weeks later, the phone call, he's suddenly died. You did have that dream, Jane. Yeah. So, yeah. So then you get those, and this mm. is where the fear comes in, is that, so because I've had, that's the only, no, it's not, I've had two. I've had two dreams that ended up being predictions for the future. Yeah, prophecies. And so therefore, mm. how do you tell one from the other? Because that's where the fear comes from. When I have the dream that my daughter's been killed, it's like, holy shit, this is going to happen because I've had those other dreams where it happened. I know I'm supposed to have an answer for this because I'm psychic, but no, I don't. No, have... no, no. I didn't expect you to have an answer. I don't answer. have an answer for this. I think the only answer that I've got is that um, when I had the dream that I was at my girlfriend's father's funeral, I actually didn't go into fear thinking it was going to happen. I went into, yeah, it would be nice to see him again. You know, okay. I haven't seen him for a long time. And if you treat all of your dreams that way, then if it does actually come true, it doesn't actually matter. Mm. Well, it does matter, but it's in that your dream has given you... You know, it's like when a psychic says... Yeah, tarot cards. You get, yeah. the, you get the hangman yeah. or the death of yeah, judgment yeah. or the whatever. Yeah, devil. but what about when, you know, that the tarot woman says, oh, I can see that, you know, your husband's going to get really, really sick. Now, that's low-level um, psychic, but a high-level psychic would say um, it would be really good if you perhaps look at your husband's health. Um, maybe he might need his immune system built up a little bit. You know, you get the warnings to help with whatever could happen. Yeah. So therefore, in that dream of my friend's father, I got the warning, you know what, go say hi to him. Yeah. And then ultimately, if he does die, you're going to feel good that you went and said hi. 
Yeah, interesting. I know a woman who um, had a number of dreams before the big tsunami happened and she was seeing oh. massive tidal waves coming in. It so affected her that she even went and asked a friend who lived in a marine life, like, what would happen if a big wave came and da 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 and, and then a few weeks later it did. Oh. Um, so... I mean, it's a real thing. I, I've definitely... But you can't get fearful. Like, you can't, you can't tell. So you can't suddenly become this... Per- you, you can't believe you're a pro- that, that you're truly seeing into the future. And it'll do your head in because you don't want to take that... Mm. You don't want to take that on. So treat every dream as though it's the hidden symbols that I truly believe they are mm. to give you the gifts of whatever it is that you need. I am open to the guidance and wisdom from my dreams. Thank you so much for joining us on our nice new red comfy couch on lovelifeshow.com. Yes, I like our red couch. We are here. We are on iTunes Australia. And, of course, if you can hop on there anytime and leave us a review, that really helps to get us out there and for more and more people to find us. So that's a great thing you can do to support our show if you would like to support our show. And, of course, we're on Facebook too. It's facebook.com forward slash lovelifeshow. And we get so many amazing letters from you guys who, who tell us, you know, the changes you've been making in your own lives and also ideas for for more shows. So we're always open and welcome to more of that correspondence anytime. So until this time next week, I challenge you to start a little bit of a dream journal and begin to have some fun analysing the symbols, archetypes and images in your dreams. Life is perfect, I'm not trying, it's just happening.